Hi, I'm Ashley. And I'm Chris, and this is Business by the Books. Hi, welcome to Business by the Books, where we believe that leaders are readers. So if you are not reading, you are not leading. Today's book, this is episode nine, um, is Our Iceberg is Melting. And there's a really cute uh, little picture on the who cover. Didn't like, who didn't like penguins? With penguins, exactly. We love <laughs> penguins. Um, and it is by, and I may butcher this because I believe that their names are German, but it is John Cotter and Holger Rothgaber. Um, and it was published in 2005. So tell me about the penguins. So this is good. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a neat story. It's uh, set with penguins, as mm-hmm. we joked about who didn't like penguins. Yep. But, but the concept is the penguins are on an iceberg and it's melting. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people realize it, but most people don't want to admit that the iceberg is melting. And so, so it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fictional story, obviously, yep. about how to address uh, change in an organization that needs to be changed when people don't want to change. Mm. And so anyway, it's funny, I've had this book for years and set on my shelf. And so I decided to read it, you know, probably about about six weeks ago. And oh, really? Yeah, oh. so relatively fresh. I mean, I wish I'd read it, <laughs> wish I'd read it when it was written. Yeah. But uh, it really, it's got some good things that we're gonna talk about in this podcast about if you're part of an organization that's struggling mm-hmm. and uh, how, how do you create change and create kind of a sense of urgency in order to change. Yeah. So is it literally penguins or is it a parable about people represented? No, it's, well, it's about <laughs> penguins. I mean, the penguins <laughs> talk it's like i know you oh, like okay, disney it, so it's like it. a disney movie <laughs> but i mean and we've got a couple of we have a couple of uh books in this series that mm-hmm. are fables mm-hmm. and this this one happens to have penguins oh, you know so well and it's kind of funny because you think a lot about icebergs and you think about penguins being cute and yeah. kind of moving around but if you were a, a you know a group of penguins on an iceberg that was melting that'd be a bad deal yeah not fun no not fun and yeah. it's not part it's not fun to be part of an organization that's struggling either yeah so kind of what is the journey that these penguins go on aside from the fact that this this, this iceberg or yeah that the iceberg is melting how do they handle that and what is their journey so kind of what happens is there's there's like one penguin and he's kind of the visionary guy Mm -hmm. and he sees that the iceberg is melting and so if you're someone who's an organization and you see that there's problems um, it's hard to get it's hard to convince people Mm -hmm. you know so so usually visionaries are they struggle because they see that there's a problem so Mm -hmm. the key is how do you convince people okay Mm -hmm. so there's this there's this penguin and uh, so some of the characters, I'll just throw some names out. We'll talk about them. There's Fred, Alice, uh, Lewis, Buddy, the Professor, and No-No. <laughs> and uh, and so so you know the, the main the main character is is Fred, and so he kind of sees that there's some issues, and so he's got to convince somebody. And the person he goes to is Alice, and Alice is kind of like the like the group leader, and she's she's the deep thinker. And people, when she speaks, people listen to her. Mm. And so what happens is, you know, Fred really understands what's going on. And, and one of the things, and I'm kind of jumping down a little bit, but the normal process with the penguins is, and on page 33 it talked about, it says the penguin leadership determined their home was melting. Alice cleared her throat loudly, then spoke, when we have a problem, Forming a committee and trying to protect our colony from unpleasant news is what we normally do, 
but this is far, far from a normal problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's so funny. So Alice has to kind of be a voice of reason, mm -hmm. and she's the spokesperson. So part of this, and we'll talk about they, the, the authors have put an eight-step process together. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to talk about is what does that process do, and how do you create a sense of change and a sense of urgency? Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest with you, I mean, you look at what's going on right now, there's there's companies that have been in business for years, mm -hmm. but because of COVID and the low price of oil here in the energy industry, there's companies going out of business. Yeah. And to some degree, Ashley, the reason why is they're doing the same thing that they've always done and Einstein said that uh, problems I'm paraphrasing a little bit but problems cannot be solved at the same level of awareness that created them mm -hmm. so you got to you got to change things up in order for for things to be effective yeah absolutely so aside from Fred and Alice kind of what are the roles of uh, Lewis Buddy the professor and Nono throughout this story so let's talk about Nono I know I was going to say that <laughs> name is just intriguing and I would never want to name my child yeah, Nono yeah, yeah. but you know I don't it maybe it's a foreign language but it was spelled N O N O yeah. And and so no no if if you're listening to our podcast and you're listening to us sequentially you heard the five voices. Mm -hmm. No no is the guardian. Okay. Okay. And so he's no we can't do that. No we can't do that. And and one of the things I shared in the first, you know, the first episode which was the five voices. Mm -hmm was I find that extremely frustrating. Mm -hmm. I, I can't stand it. And one, one of the books we're going to talk about light, later is being an optimist and being a definite optimist means that you see things as you want them to be and you're optimistic about that. But no, no, in every situation was our iceberg is not melting. No, we're not going to leave the iceberg. We're going to mm. keep doing the same things that we've always done. Mm. And the problem is if you have enough no-nos in a group, and even after, you know, the, the stories actually moved to another iceberg, mm -hmm. okay, that they got everybody, they mobilized it, and, you know, it's kind of like Moses leading the, the, you know, out of the Egyptians, leading the Hebrew people out. Mm -hmm. You know, they all load up in their colony and they go to a new iceberg, but no-nos still like, why are we doing this? Mm. And so to me, he was a favorite character just because he represents people that don't want to change. Yeah. Now, the professor was funny because he was a guardian, and he always had these great theories. And, you know, you're in college, and you know how some professors, not all professors, but some can, you know, they kind of pie in the sky. Well, it's funny. It's not the business professors. It's yeah, all of the other yeah, professors. Exactly. <laughs> it's the, the chemistry, business professors are the, fun the biology, yeah. the engineering, yep. the physics, you know, yep. anything, usually anything related to science, you know. And, yep. and probably sometimes the more inclined you are to be mathematical, mm -hmm. probably the more you are to be the professor. So the professor here was, you know, he always had a logical reason and why they wouldn't do things and he pontificated and Alice did a great job managing him because mm. he would stand up and make these broad speeches and everybody kind of respect he's kind of like the owl mm -hmm. you know he's the wise old owl but Alice had this way of just kind of getting him to shut up <laughs> yeah man so she was the key I mean yeah. without Alice in this story they would have you know they would have stayed on the iceberg and they all would have died yeah. you know, so is Fred the first one the first character in this story to recognize the problem and bring it to Alice's yeah, attention he is. yeah he I was going to say that's kind of yeah. interesting and I like how they separate and, and differentiate the concept from Fred being kind of the pioneer and Alice right. being the leader, right. recognizing that you can still be a leader without being in charge right. And, right. and call out a problem, bring it to somebody's attention. But you have to have somebody in the higher up position to allow it to right. come to fruition. So there were two more characters. Lewis was, and he was probably the least elaborated character, but he was kind of like the president and he's kind of like the person in charge, and everybody kind of respected him. But Alice was kind of the one who was was mm. willing to move everybody forward. But mm. Lewis was the wise old leader, and he realized the role that Alice had. Now, the other character is Buddy, and we know a Buddy. 
We do. Okay. And Buddy is, you, you can't be a mean guy yeah. and be Buddy. And so this guy was literally Buddy Powers. Buddy, I know you're going to watch this, <laughs> so we'll make sure that you get a shout out. But everybody loves Buddy Powers. Yep. And in this story, Buddy Powers could be in the story. Mm. So he was kind of the sales guy. He got everybody together. Everybody liked him. He made things fun. Mm. And, and Alice used him not in a not in a use sense but she engaged him in a way that he was the communicator mm. and so he created excitement about hey we're going to go do this new thing and and got everybody riled up about it and he was critically important because that that raw raw person is the one that really yeah. makes the difference and you don't have to be that in your organization but someone needs to be yeah exactly Ooh, exciting yeah because when when somebody gets you passionate and excited i mean we we're seeing that now in the midst of all of our social things right yeah, and yeah. we have people who are passionate and who are excited and that is in a sense what causes a lot of things to happen so right, right. um yeah obviously this is a more of an organizational sense well and one so. of the things too ashley is 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 organizations um you know, they become successful. And, mm -hmm. and so as they like Andy Grove, I don't know if you know who he is. He was mm -hmm. one of the, one of the founders of Intel. Oh. And so they're basically three men and he wrote a book called only the paranoid survive. Mm -hmm. And so the concept was, I mean, Intel's one of the most successful companies that's ever existed in the history of mankind. I mean, a lot of our electronics that we have yeah. is a result of, of advances technologically because of of Intel, but but Andy's philosophy was you've always got to be advancing. Mm -hmm. And just because you were successful yesterday, and actually success can become a liability, mm -hmm. right? If you're if you're comfortable and you're doing the same thing you were doing five years ago or ten or fifteen or twenty, you may find yourself being displaced. Mm -hmm. And um, Alan Greenspan called that creative destruction in his biography or autobiography mm -hmm. is that what you do today is going to be replaced somebody else. So I'll give you a good example. Um, when I was a little boy uh, if you went into an office building, um, a couple things were happening. A lot of people smoked, mm -hmm. okay, smoked cigarettes. But then the other thing was people used typewriters. Mm. I mean, you know, today nobody uses typewriters. So in, in antique shops. Yeah, yeah. So in 1975, if you were a typewriter repairman, you had a booming business, yeah. right? I mean, and you'd been going, and there was no reason to believe something wasn't going to change, except when you got to the early 1980s. People started using word processors. So when I started mm -hmm. A&M, I remember I had a little word processor. like a typewriter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it was like a little electric typewriter. That's but within so two years, okay, my junior at A&M, 1989, got a 386. And uh, it was a screaming machine. And we did all of our reports on a computer. So mm -hmm. from that point forward, you know, that thing was a that thing was a boat anchor. We got yeah. rid of it. I know. The only time I think... I've, I know of having used a typewriter is like for fun crafts and making yeah, it look cool yeah. and, and I think retro. My, mommy's got one downstairs, yeah. but it's an antique. Yeah, it's an right? antique, exactly. So that's a, that's a you know that's a little subtle example, but a lot of the books that we're doing in this series are written by people that you know like like we did Mr. Cruz and Bluebell, mm -hmm. and so Bluebell has advanced. They're not doing the exact same thing that they were doing in 1950. I mean, they're yeah. still making ice cream, but the way that they communicate with people is different than what they did 25 years ago. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of keep talking about a couple of different things, but mm -hmm. one of the main things that I want to focus on is this eight step process that the authors, you know, put yeah. together for and us. They, and they kind of put forward this eight step process throughout the parable of the mm -hmm. penguins. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So take us through the okay, eight step process. Okay. So let's go through it. Okay. So I had to write these down cause I don't have them memorized. Yeah. So this is on page 129 through 134. So, um, so the, you, you set the stage and you create a sense of 
urgency. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so is, you know, I mean, you don't want people panicking and screaming and going crazy, but you need to help people understand that is if we're on the iceberg and it's melting, we have a defined period of time before there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. And so you have to help, help people understand because without a sense of urgency, people just keep doing the same old thing, mm-hmm. right? So that's the first thing. And then the second step is you pull together the guiding team and they decide what to do. So mm-hmm. if you're leading an organization that's got, say, 200 people and, you know, you can't get all 200 people together and say, hey, we're going to go do this. You need a group of people. And, and the authors did a great job in looking at Fred, Alice, Lewis, Buddy, and Professor, and Nono. They kind of formed this committee. Mm-hmm. And they had a general consensus, this is what we're going to do. But, see, they even included the professor, okay, mm-hmm. as part of this group, even though he was kind of the guardian and kind of against it. So this core group kind of sets the vision for where they're going. And then, and then the third thing is you develop a change vision and a strategy to make it happen. Mm. Yeah, it's crucial. It you is cru- crucial. You have <laughs> like to have a plan. Can. Yeah. Because, you know, kind of going to the five voices, so if you've got a group of 200 people, odds are you have all five of those voices. Mm-hmm. So you have to somehow connect with all those people. So the beauty, if you get a really good team and they have all the personality types, all the five voices, they're going to be able to communicate with their their like-minded people. Yeah. It's been interesting in the midst of having to deal with coronavirus stuff. I'm a leader in Christian business leaders at A&M. And so with our organization, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to get together as staff and Mm -hmm. figure out what are we going to be doing moving forward? Now, if somebody just asked me as a single individual to make that decision, what's the plan moving forward? I think I would really struggle with that. But I've been very fortunate to be put with a co-directing partner as well as this awesome staff where we all have different voices, all different perspectives, Mm -hmm. and we can generate and bounce ideas off of each other to make a plan moving forward. Yeah, Um, yeah, because there's no way that I as an individual could come up with that. So I like how they put emphasis on putting a, you know, like a guiding team together and then developing that together as well. Yeah. And you know, that's really, uh, it's really important in, in a large organization to have a group of leaders who, who work very well together Mm -hmm. and you don't always have to agree. Yeah. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, it's probably better that you disagree, but you learn how to do it in a professional way Mm -hmm. where people feel comfortable sharing. And one of the books that we're going to do uh, coming up is five dysfunctions of a team. Mm-hmm. And so you build this cohesive unit where you professionally engage each other and you disagree. But when you walk out of the room, everybody's on the same page. Yeah. And and once again, this book did a great job really talking about that. So once you develop a vision, a change vision and a strategy to make things happen, then the fourth step is you communicate for understanding and buy-in. Mm. And so, you know, if, if people... If people are uncomfortable with what you're doing, but you take some time and it's probably going to take a series of meetings and you may have to do videos and, you know, different emails and you may have to have a kind of a campaign, if you will, mm-hmm. to help people understand where you're going. Over time, if you've done it the right way and you've anticipated all those questions, you'll get buy-in. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of a rabbit trail, you know, one of the things that I do, uh, you know, that we do at ADV is we work with new technology companies. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's very difficult for the oil and gas industry because we tend to be conservative is to adopt new technologies. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same kind of process when you're rolling something new out, you've got to get people to buy into the idea. And you yeah. think about all the things that like cars, 
You know, you think about the automobile, you know, people just kind of used it, viewed it as just another way to pull a buggy, right? Yeah. Uh, airplanes, I mean, all the technology, the phones, you know, microphones, lights, all these things that we take for granted every day. It was a new idea and somebody had to be a visionary and make mm-hmm. things happen. Yeah. So what I what I like about this book is, is, is those of us who are kind of change agents and trying to create change, you know, in organizations and society, it's got a very good platform. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you don't have to just kind of make stuff up. And then the fifth thing is, is you empower others to act. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the fifth step. So that's really important because once again, if you've got buy-in and then at that point, if you've got people who feel empowered, okay, to act, then, then things just naturally move forward. So, you know, in this book here, they, they had to decide to leave the iceberg. And it took time, but once that happened, then people actually were excited about it and they wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, had a great quote that relates to that. He said, the art of leadership is getting other people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. Yeah. Right. And that's great. And I've been around a couple of great leaders and you meet with them and you watch them and they get excited about stuff. And then you walk out of the meeting and you wind up doing what you know they wanted you to do, but you're, you're just as enthusiastic as they are, yeah. you know, or perhaps even more. Yeah. Well, and that ties in, I just like the flow of that from going from step four to communicate for understanding and buy-in. And then the fifth step, the empowering others to act, that is the fruition of that fourth step. Once right. you have the buy-in right. enabling people, to act and yeah and I love yeah getting people excited about acting so one of the things that was interesting that they did was produce short-term wins mm-hmm. and so one of the things that yeah. they did and it kind of reminded me when the uh, the uh, in the in the Old Testament when they sent the spies in to the promised land mm-hmm. and you remember they all went in and then they came back and most of them were no-nos right mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> but Joshua and Caleb were like hey God's behind us. We can take we can take these people, mm-hmm. and uh, you know God obviously wasn't very happy because the no nos were louder mm-hmm. than the the yes guys. Mm. So so what it said here is that you want to look for short term wins. So what they did was the penguins sent a scout team, and so they mm. were the good swimmers, and they went and they went, let them go find go find you know some new icebergs, and then they would come back and they provided that information. But they got people excited because it helped them realize beyond where their iceberg was, there were other icebergs that they mm. could go to. So it was kind of a short-term emotional win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I are talking about today, a lot of life is emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you watch a good movie, there's just things that happen. If you read mm-hmm. a good book, if you're with someone that you really respect, you get, there's these, you know, endorphins and dopamines and all these chemicals that, that basically come up in your body and they make you want to do things. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you're trying to get people to change. You've got to go through that process. Mm. And then the last thing is don't let up, make it stick. Mm. And man, that's the hard part. You know, so, you, so you've run like 25 miles on a 26-mile marathon. You're almost to the end. But you got to keep going that extra mile. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of times, a lot of organizations is they get to the point where everybody's just frustrated and they just stop. And it's that extra little part that keeps going. And that's where leadership's important. And yeah. so kind of in this story, you know, Alice was a key that she's like, look, this is what we're going to do. And she kind of orchestrated this whole thing. But if Alice quit, the whole thing, the whole thing comes apart and everybody stays in the iceberg and dies. Yeah. And then the last thing is create a new culture. And so what's really interesting, if you do this the right way and you take your organization to a place that they've never been before, 
that when you get through it and it's painful, you know, people get hurt. Some people may leave, you know, they may not want to be part of your organization anymore. But, but when you come through that experience on the other side, you've got a new culture and people are excited. And then the next time you need to change because it's part of your culture, okay, then you can go forward and you can do new things. Makes it easier. Yeah, exactly. It makes it easier. So there's a couple of, couple of messages. If you're building an organization, this is a good book to read so that you build this concept of, hey, our iceberg may be melting, and so we need to change from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. If you're part of an organization that's been around for a long time and you're starting to struggle or you sense struggle or maybe you know people have left your iceberg or whatever mm-hmm. and you're the one who's left, read this book and look at this process, you know, and you may be the person, you know, like, like Fred that kind of says, Hey, something's wrong with our iceberg. You're not the person who's going to make the change, but you've got to get the leadership on your side. And that's extremely hard. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I would say that's the hardest part. If you see something that's wrong in an organization and you can't get people to change, it's extremely frustrating. But that's why I said, I wish I had read this book, you know, when it was written 15 years ago, because I've been part of organizations, uh, nonprofit and profit, where if, if you realize what you can do to make a change, then everybody gets excited about it. And you actually look forward to the process instead of dreading change, which is what you know most people do. Yeah, exactly. It makes me, it really does make me wonder statistically how many businesses if they had taken this mentality of the importance of change and mm-hmm. whether that's innovation or just adaptation or whatever, how many businesses would still be around if they had yeah. adapted that principle? Right, right. Um, especially, I mean, COVID is an easy example because we're in the midst of it, but just right. even thinking about, you know, and I know that I had mentioned when we talked about um, unleashing the innovators, mm-hmm. Sears versus Nintendo, and like right. the companies that adapt versus the ones that don't, and how many great, awesome big companies as well as small companies would actually really benefit from adapting these principles and really embracing this idea of change, even though that is something that is so scary right. and very risk intensive being willing to take the risk because i mean in this parable with these penguins it's they send scouts out because they don't know what's out there um but just just at least sending scouts out to figure it out um well and the other thing too is it all most of these stories that we're talking about in the series it relates to leadership Mm -hmm. right and so if you've got leaders that are pliable Mm-hmm. And they're willing to listen to a wide range of people. And one of the other things I liked about this story that I don't know they made a really big deal about it, but as I said, this team was very diverse. And so if if you're part of a leadership group where everybody's exactly the same, you're in trouble, Yeah. right? Because, because no one's going to come up with different ideas. Now, you may not be in trouble for a while if you're mm-hmm. very successful in those kind of things, but at some point... Someone's going to come to you and say, hey, what we're doing is not right. And if everybody's on the same page, you're going to disagree with that person. And that person may be the person that can save your organization. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for leaders to be open-minded and to be willing to listen to people who think differently than they do. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you've kind of talked about how this applies um, in a lot of ways. Are there other particular ways that you've seen this applied throughout ADV in the midst? I mean, because you've only been in business for three years, so (laughs) hopefully the iceberg is not melting. Um, But have there been instances and things and cases in which you've been able to use this or that you saw yourself use it? I do. And one of the things I've had to learn um, is to not get defensive. Mm. And I would say that's a learned trait because when I was your, your stage 30 years ago, if somebody confronted me, 
I almost always got defensive. It's like, what do you mean? I thought through this thing. And, and being someone who thinks a lot, it's very easy to get offended because um, I've really thought through the process. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things I've tried to do with ADV is like, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I've got, I've got an idea that's different than what I think, I'm like, hey, let's talk about it. Maybe yeah. your idea is better than mine. So, I mean, we're in the early stages of this, but I've just been around leaders who are defensive and I've been around leaders who aren't defensive. And the non-defensive leader creates this environment, this open door policy where you want to go talk to them, yeah. right? And so the problem is if the leader's defensive, okay, then nobody's going to want to go talk to them. And so you rob yourself of those great ideas to make your organization grow yeah, and absolutely. empower people to do things on their own. You know, mm-hmm. once again, I mean, that was one of the things was uh, – Number five was empower others to act. Mm -hmm. Great leaders empower people who are in their organization to go do things that they can't do themselves. Mm -hmm. They're able to market ideas. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Able to share the vision. Love it. Um, Any other final thoughts you want to share with our listeners slash readers? Yep. So the last thing that I wrote here was every leader is called upon to make changes in their organization. The hardest changes to make are in established organizations where the top brass are stuck in their ways Mm -hmm. and they're doing the same thing. And whether you're talking about politics, you're talking about church, you're talking about universities, you're talking about businesses, Mm -hmm. families maybe, Mm -hmm. okay? Any organization and the, 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 the organizations that are the most successful and have been around the longest are the hardest ones to change. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my encouragement to you is if you're a younger organization, be pliable, build that into your culture. If you're an older organization, listen to your young people and their innovative ideas and you have have to weigh them and balance them because you can't do everything Mm -hmm. but everything falls on leadership Mm. right yep and leadership starts with you so (laughs) (laughs) love that well um thank you guys so much for listening this was a fun one we i don't know how many parrot we have we have your parable that's going to yeah, be coming at some yeah. point. We have another but... one too, but anyway, <laughs> oh, but good, we don't good. have any with penguins. Though. No, this is, I know this, this is fun. the lone penguin. This is novel. very exciting. Um, <laughs> sweet. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. You can check us out on Instagram at business by the books. You can email us. If you pick this book up or read any of our other books, let us know your thoughts, experiences, and uh, just your overall good opinions of the podcast. <laughs> um, and that's um, business by the books at gmail.com. And then you can also visit our website, business, businessbythebooks.com. So, sweet, you want to close us out? I do. Awesome. Leaders are readers, and if you're not reading, you're not leading. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye.